ever known about the history of the town that you're in and you get to know some of the geography and, and usually you can hop on and hop off and they get off and have a look at some famous area and then get back on the bus later on and continue your journey. I did one on my summer holiday this year and I wonder if you can recognise where I was from the pictures. Thank you. 
Spanish your money. And people from this church go out into the community and they visit people in old people's homes, in detention centers. Oh, and you can also go there on a Sunday to worship because everybody's welcome. And if you're here this morning and this is not where you regularly be on a Sunday morning or maybe you're somebody who hasn't yet um, found uh, faith in Christ, then you're so very welcome to be here with us. And I hope that as you listen to that description, you think, yeah, that's the sort of church I'd like to be part of. This is a vineyard church. And uh, vineyard churches seek to be communities that look outwards. We want to be outposts of God's kingdom, providing hope, offering help, in Jesus, just to anybody who needs it. We want to serve the poor in a really practical way. And you might know that we've been doing a series on Sunday mornings about vineyard values. And this is the book that goes with the series. It's five pounds and it's available at the back. And it's a really good read. It gives you a fantastic overview of all the different values that are important to us in this church. But this morning, and you may already have guessed, we are focusing on remembering the poor. Remember the poor, serving the least, the last, and the lost. So John Wimber was the founding pastor of the Vineyard Movement, and he said this. He said, serving the poor isn't an option. If we don't care for the poor, we're as good as dead. I see it as a life and death matter. That's a very dramatic thing to say, isn't it? He was a very straight-talking sort of guy, but he knew that he could call on the Bible to support his belief that the poor have a really special place in God's heart. And when we read our Bibles, we see that over the centuries, God has sent prophets to tell his people off when he's been disappointed in them, when they've been disobedient. And what does he tell them off about? Is it about their sexuality? Is it about what they wear when they go to temple? Oh, no, not really. He actually says his biggest disappointment for when they are neglecting the poor. So this morning, um, we are going to look at an example of this in the Bible. remember my holiday pictures, but we will have our hearts transformed by what we read. So I'm going to look at Isaiah 58. Um, do turn to that or follow um, as the words come up on the screen. Let me tell you um, what Isaiah 58 is about. It is a chapter of the Bible about worship. It's about false worship and true worship, genuine worship. And I have to tell you that the people who are being addressed in this are very correct religiously. So they're remembering to do things like fast from food. Um, but while they're religiously correct, um, they are socially just ruthless. And their complaint in this chapter is, well, God, you're not responding to us. Um, and it's because of this social ruthlessness which God just finds, well, nauseating, really. So here as we start reading, we're going to start at verse 6, we get God's response to them. And he tells them what 
and he also lets them know what his response will be. So Isaiah 58. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear and your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. So in this passage, God spells out for us what's important to him. So here we read about doing away with injustice, lifting oppression. Verse 7, we read how true righteousness would be leading people to feed and clothe the poor and provide shelter for the homeless. This is the kind of worship that God says he wants. And when Jesus starts his ministry, he actually quotes from this book of Isaiah. He stands up and reads from this book. And he says that he has been anointed to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. And after he announces this, he goes out and does that. He reaches out and ministers the poor, the outcast, people who were marginalized in that society. He served them, encouraged them, stood up for them, to the extent that he was frequently accused of spending too much time with the wrong kind of people. When you read the Gospels, you see how so many of the social occasions that we see Jesus at, they were just socially inappropriate according to the norms of that time. But Jesus saw people not as the world saw them. He saw them as being made in the image of God. And alongside those actions, he called on the people who followed him to do the same sort of thing. So history books show that actually the early Christians were renowned in the Roman Empire for helping the poor and suffering. For example, when there was a plague, they tended to the victims of the plague when nobody else would touch the sick people. The Roman government itself was struggling to take care of everybody. It's quite similar today, isn't it? Our government cannot meet all the needs that there are in society. 
some people would say as they look back, they would say that's why the early church grew so rapidly. Because they remembered before some powerful things began to happen. And we know that in the long term, you know, God wants to eliminate all pain, all suffering. And we can take comfort from that. But in the meantime, we're called upon to bring relief as best we can. The church, this church, should be a place where everybody finds a welcome. And where the Holy Spirit is daily leading us into acts compassion and mercy. That's what's important to us. Let me say a word about the people that we serve. A lot of people are in financial need, and they end up in financial need for very varied reasons. Um, Many people refer to, to us have been affected by the move to universal credit. Imagine waiting five whole weeks for your new benefits to come through. I met a lady the other day who had been in a refuge. By the way, I'm going to share a number of stories. Um, I do value people's confidentiality, so I've tweaked the details a little, so I'm not giving away people's secrets. So I met this lady. She'd been able to return to her old home, but her former partner, her former abusive partner, had completely stripped the place. It was empty. And we were able to give her some clothing, some bedding, as well as some food. We met another woman who had just been discharged from prison. And I think she had been given something like £45 to help her reintegrate herself into society. She was a contemplating stealing a sandwich the morning that she came here and we were able to point her towards somebody who could give her advice on benefits. We've helped Christians who are fleeing persecution in other countries and they're seeking asylum here. The authorities have given them a roof over their heads but this church community has given them furniture, clothing, place to eat up. And you know, sometimes it's just circumstances that lead to us being in need. You know, I've shared before my own story. My, my dad got very poorly when I was in my teenage years. He'd been hospital for a long time. And while he was there, he lost his job, and his car went with the job. And suddenly we didn't have a home and we didn't have a car. So anybody's bad call or mistake, nobody's done anything wrong. It just happened. Maybe you're here this morning and you're going through a really tough time. Well, God bless you, but please, please make yourself known to us. We'd love to come alongside you and journey with you through that time. But if times are good at the moment, well, praise the Lord. But we need to remember, don't we, that this could be you, it could be me. You may be shocked hear that people turn up to our cafe genuinely hungry. Sometimes people are bewildered when we're serving them because we like to give them things that they like to eat. So we ask them things like, you know, what cereal do your kids 
sometimes people just look puzzled at those questions. And they'll say, well, I have an empty kitchen. Anything, anything you can give me will be a help. We serve the homeless as best we can, and we give them um, food that doesn't need cooking. I talked to a guy a few weeks ago who has a deal with a local hotel that he can use their kettle, and that means he can eat up some pot noodles. But you know, this isn't just about a lack of money. It's also about people who lack power and lack respect in our society. And of course, people can be relationally poor. As more and more people uh, live on their own in our society, then loneliness becomes more of a challenge. We have a drop-in cafe on Thursdays that offers people an opportunity to do just that, drop in, have a chat, have a coffee, connect with other people. So many things going on, but I need to move on because I want to move on to the rest of the passage and say, I mean, I just love it that in this passage, God tells us what's in all of this for us. Did you realize that when I quoted John Wimber, he said this was a life and death matter? He didn't mean it was a life and death matter for people in need. He meant it was a life and death matter for us. So what's in it for me? Number one thing is that we get to hang out with Jesus. Jesus told a story once um, to his followers, and he, he was talking to them about how they fed people who were hungry, clothed people who had no clothes, visited them in prison, um, and, and they said, really? And he said, he did all of that for me. This is Matthew 25, um, verse 40. He said, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And Mother Teresa, a nun who helped those in extreme poverty in India, said this about her team. I love this. She said, first we meditate on Jesus, and then we go out and look for him in disguise. It sounds like fun, doesn't it? You looking for God? You will certainly find him in our compassion ministry. We have no end of encouraging stories that we can share, and everybody who's involved in these ministries is itching to tell them that I've got the mic. She was really quite overcome. She said, really? I said, I can take this. 
And I said, well, yeah, she said, it's just, he was told a normal bag, an ordinary bag I'd sent him with wasn't good enough. I had to buy one of these, and they cost seven pounds. And she said, wow, I can see this. And she said, it's amazing. And I was like, look at it. It's a brand new book bag. <laughs> Maybe he donated it. I have no idea why it was hanging on her kid's doorhouse. Brand new. Just was one of those moments when you feel like you've been privileged to see God's kingdom break into somebody's life. Because I was able to say to her, it's here for you. Take it with you. Jesus has called on us to look after the least, the last, and the lost, for their sakes, but also for our own. And as we give away, we receive. We receive in abundance. What's in it for us? Well, look at the passage. We see all these things in there. Light. That could be joy, prosperity will break forth. Healings will happen. God will be our rear guard. He'll protect us. Our prayers will be answered. We'll be satisfied. We'll be strengthened. I could go on and on. And at this point, you're probably thinking, well, that sounds great. Sign me up for some of that. Because everybody can get involved. First of all, we can all pray. There are lots of different ministries going on, and we can all be involved in praying for those. We can donate. We can donate food, clothing, toys, equipment. Can I just mention here that one of our values is that we like to give the very best away. So when you're donating something like clothing, it's nice if it's clean and if it still has a lot of life in it. When you're donating food, just think, oh, would I be happy to put this on the plate in front of my family? Our current season is one of abundance because it's harvest. We are so blessed because uh, some local churches and schools donate their harvest to us. But we need a harvest every week, frankly. We need a harvest every week. So if you're in doubt about what you can do, donate some money. Because then we will use it to fill some of the gaps that I'm afraid inevitably seem to appear on our shelves as the year progresses. And then we can all get hands-on. We've been reminded this morning um, that Christmas is coming, and Christmas is a great time to reach out to those around us. So maybe you've been inspired to help at the Christmas party. Sign up while you're still inspired. Sign up straight away this morning so that we know you're going to help. But storehouses are rather like a puppy. It's not just for Christmas. So, if you're excited about this, why don't you join our regular team? We have about 45 volunteers who give a few hours during the week or on a Saturday, maybe serving people, maybe sorting donations. And we have a lot of other ministries going on. You can see at the back who heads up the different compassion ministries like Dropkin, etc. Get involved. But you know, if you think, this morning, that this is just the same old asking you to 
sign up and join a ministry here in church. I think that's to misunderstand what church is all about. Because there are people in your street who need love. There are people in your workplace who are lonely. Who do we spend our time with? I wonder if somebody looked at my calendar, could they make the same accusation of me as they did of Jesus? That I'm spending way too much time with all the wrong sort of people. And then as I finish, I just want to remind us that the church has always been at the forefront of social justice. At the end of the 18th century, um, Wilberforce persevered in Parliament, battling to abolish slavery. But at the same time, um, Shaftesbury was campaigning to improve the really inhumane conditions for those working in factories. And just Towards the end of that century, the Salvation Army came into being and launched campaigns to reach out to the poor in our cities. Where are the Wilberforces? Where are the Shaftesbury's? Where are the boots of today? Well, they're there. They're still out there. You will hear Christian voices. There are many, many different mention my favourite is fund. But you know there are cultural challenges. I don't know if you've noticed, but when the Archbishop of Canterbury just in Welby speaks out, for example, about the difficulty caused by the rollout of universal credit, or about the evils of payday lenders, when he does that, he gets shut down. And people say, what's this got to do with you?
also seen how when we spend our resources on those in need, God loves to bless us in a mighty way. We're starting with a quote from John Wimber, so I'm going to quote him from. He said this, The test of spiritual maturity is not the ability to speak in tongues, to prophesy or memorize scripture. It's the ability to love God and others. Learning to serve others by loving the unlovely, the less fortunate, the lost, and the broken. This is the highest call that we would fulfill our purpose on earth. I would love to pray for us all because when we do this stuff, we do not do it in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit. So, would you like to stand with me? There will be opportunities for, for prayer as they normally are. But I would like to start by praying for us all, all as a body. Thank you, God, that you love everyone without favoritism. You love us however far away. Thank you. 